Hey, welcome. Hi. Hi. Yeah, sorry. I'm just just popping in hopefully for a quicker session today. I've got uh, pretty much a full schedule after this. I've got rehearsals, recitals I've got to head to. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm wrapped up in all this court stuff, so I, I have um, I ha kind of a hearing later on this is this might just have to be a bit of a, a shorter session than usual if that's if that's okay, okay. with you yeah i know i just before you know before we get started um i do want to ask what is the difference between a rehearsal and a recital oh you know i mean it's 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 all just kind of over your head it's it's a matter of um you know it, it's the kind of thing you'd know if you were in in the whole music business have you ever interacted with the the music biz as it were um i mean i've I know my I know my way around the Bandcamp page. Let's put it that way. <laughs> oh, band! Oh gosh, uh, just a haven for philistines and philistine taste. And oh my gosh. Uh, well, in, in any case, that's that's fine. That should be, um, you know, that 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 should be enough uh, enough I mean, of it, a entry point. It, it sounds like you're taking music, uh, you know, a lot more seriously. I mean, I not that you weren't taking it seriously before, but it sounds like you're really, really prioritizing uh, it as your career right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess I, I feel, I feel invigorated. I well, I guess I should say I, I recently saw a movie and that kind of inspired me to go a little bit, you know, further down this path to try things, try things a little harder. Uh, have you have you seen the have you seen the film Tar yet? Oh, with the big funny blue people. Oh no, no, you're thinking of, uh, you're thinking of Avatar, I, I, I think. Oh right, yes, no. Oh the the biopic, right, about the woman who doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Wait, wait hold on. She doesn't exist. No, no, that was that was a fictional character. Uh, invented by the director and the actress Kate Blanchett. Uh, Tar is, is not a real woman, um, nor is there, as far as I'm aware, a massive girl boss uh, Me Too moment going on within the world of professional uh, composition or conductorship. Oh. Well, she's... Damn, she's not real? No. Damn. Well... In any case, but I... there are a lot of men who have taken advantage of their underlings within that <laughs> within the musical field. Uh -huh. Some of them are even name dropped in the movie Tar. This is this is very true. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, I I don't know. Maybe we can process about this new this new discovery that she's. I guess I was lied to, lied to by this film. I I kind of have to rethink my whole my whole thing now. I might not be that into music anymore, but. Uh, I don't, I, what did what did you think of Tar? What what did, what were your what were your favorite what were your favorite Tar bits? My my Tar top Tar moments. Oh um, yeah, I I am so torn between uh, being just t boned <laughs> by the second half of that film, <laughs> and kind of wanting the whole movie to be like that but not knowing if it would be as funny if it didn't get me like really kind of tentatively invested, like invested in it. And then it's just like, no, it's just a comedy. Sorry. We tricked you. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, to get a, kind of a comedy with weird horror elements, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's, there's a lot of stuff about being haunted. Um, there's a lot of like, 
creepy little shots of Krista popping in here and there that you might not notice on the first time you watch the movie. Yeah, it was uh, I. It was funny because I did notice her in one of them, but I didn't make the connection because I, I didn't fully note that she had the she had red hair. Mm-hmm. So I thought that there was just a person uh, in the apartment. <laughs> someone broke in. So I thought there was just someone in the apartment, and I was like, "Oh, that must have been like a scene that was deleted or something." And that right. person's just like standing there, like waiting for her to come back to the door, uh, and they just had to cut this shot in. And then I was like. Do, 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 look it up stuff later and it's like did you catch this that's that's krista yeah the woman whose face you never really see what if the last half of this movie turned into hush god that would have been so good that would have been crazy uh we'll, we'll have to re- circle back around to the the krista ghost thing because there's a there's a really funny uh thing going around about the film related to that oh okay i let's remember that but yeah I mean, overall, well, yes, this is, Tar is the comedy of the year. Let's, well, yeah, let's put that very bluntly. Uh, it kind of presents itself as very, very, like, highbrow, but that's kind of part of the joke, in a sense. It's It's been very interesting reading, like, how divisive some of the responses are. And I feel like only a handful of people are picking up that it's a comedy. Some still hate it. But, yeah. like, I, I feel like every, like, five people I see just be like, this is fucking, like, garbage. Like, I can't believe people are talking about this in this way. Or people being like, oh, my God, this is, like, uh, one of the best films ever. Like, this is so good. Oh, it's just, like, Milk with Sean Penn. Um, yeah. There's, like, one person who's just like, I, I fucking laughed my ass off. This is a comedy. This movie this movie is prestige walk hard. Yeah. <laughs> A place that I kind of want to start, uh, because I think I think there are some really important like asterisks. There's some important caveats to this movie and the enjoyment thereof. Uh, oh yeah. One of them being, uh, like okay, so the character is racist, racist, and the movie is talking about racism, but the movie might also be a little bit racist. It's yeah, I, I really. Okay, on one hand, having the the double whammy punchline of you're seeing her her post her post me too career and she's going to um somewhere in Southeast Asia. I think it's maybe supposed to be China. Um I'm um, pretty certain it's Thailand and I actually have a really there's an important point about that that I want to bring up, but I I do want you to continue. Um, and then, you know, it's, it's this implication that like, oh, she's just doing conducting in like another culture where like, she's not, her notoriety isn't really as known. And then the reveal of, um, not only is she doing that, but she's specifically conducting, uh, an orchestra playing the soundtrack to Monster Hunter. Uh, yes. Over the video, which is the main attraction, not the conductor, uh, in four cosplayers at some sort of convention. Yes. Uh, and then it pans over them, and then we get the end credits, and it's like the most like Breaking Bad dubstep episode fucking music <laughs> that plays. I mean, the ending did whoop my ass in some ways. Like in in some in some manners, it's a genius. Um, and there's a lot of aspects of. Uh, of of the ending that I do find genius, I I find the touch of um, the whole massage parlor experience that she goes through, where she 
uh, kind of as as a friend put it, like seems to realize that people are going to recognize her everywhere and recognize her for being kind of a player everywhere and not yeah. not necessarily for her art and what she's trying to do. Um, and so that stuff's good. But oh, there's, there's, I was gonna say, there's also a really good touch that um, I, because I, I read a little bit more about the film uh-huh. um, that I didn't catch, which is the the headpiece that she's being given for the the concert thing, mm-hmm. um, is I forget what it is, but it's basically used to to keep tempo. Right. So the whole thing that she's obsessed with in the film of like her uh, right hand keeps tempo and controls time. Uh, not only is she conducting video game music, but it's like you she's like, you have no say in that. Like, yeah, <laughs> like you basically uh, you basically do not get to keep tempo anymore. The one thing that you defined is like defining your art thing. Gone. You can't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, this is no longer your toy. This is no longer your playground. It's a fucking job. And now you have to act like you're at your job uh, instead of how you've been acting for <laughs> pretty much the whole film. Yeah. Um, Which is like you're at the pussy buffet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the you know, the job is second to pussy. Uh, yeah. And so about that, about the whole, about that whole segment of the film. Um, pretty yes. sure it's, pretty sure it's Thailand. Feel, feel relatively confident in saying Thailand, but not 100% confident because in the credits, the shooting locations are credited as Berlin, which is a city. Uh, I think it credit it credits either New York or the United States. Uh, so it's I, I can't quite remember that one. Um, and then for the uh, you know for the parts shot in Asia, it's credited as Asia, which is a continent. Uh, so <laughs> that, I did not catch that. That is insane. It's an insane like lens to be <laughs> to be talking about like your shooting locations and to be crediting locations. Um, so that's that's one kind of red flag there. Uh, another red flag, and and part of why I'm also pretty sure it's Thailand. Uh, again, I'm you know, <laughs> I'm 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 dumbass American. I'm pig American. You, you know, you can correct me in the comments. But, I like stupid lesbian tar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know the the segment, the shot where sh- uh, Lydia Tar is laying in the bed in the middle of the forest, and her heart catches on fire. Yes. Uh, imagery literally lifted, literally stolen from Apchapong Ross Takun's short Blue from 2018. That literally, and, and uh, a middle-aged woman laying in a bed in the middle of the forest, her heart catches on fire, and it's like a double exposure effect. Oh. So, Apchapong being a Thai director, and that being, I mean, like, you know let's use all let's use all the words let's just throw all the words on the table homage stealing fan art yeah like any any one of those things like it's not necessarily bad but with the kind of tone of thailand being treated as like oh you have to go here because it's like a second rate place and it's not where you want to be and now you have to do your job and you have to be in this you know country uh, along with that, I, I don't know. It, it just paints like a really weird picture. It's, I, it's, I think the reason why it's such, it, it also just like creates this idea of like, 
the fake out is that you think she's just working there because they don't care about sexual abuse. <laughs> is this right. is like a little bit of the implication? Yeah. There's like all the weird othering things of like, oh, you can't get in the water because of crocodiles. Like all of these things that just like it 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 casts it as if like this is like the fall from humanity is having to perform your art in Thailand. <laughs> yeah. A country which almost definitely has a huge art like probably has a huge orchestra scene there. Um but it's treated as if like ah like that's that's the lowest of the like it's not that she's doing this the this performance of a video game thing at like Comic Con. Right. Yeah. It's that she's doing this uh at uh orientalist comic con (laughs) yeah yeah a lot of i don't know and and and, i don't know like thailand's beautiful like i didn't i didn't really feel very sorry for her in in those segments and and it you know it kind of i don't know it, it it had a it seemed to have a lot of things to say about that country but i i'm i'm also like in fairness, I'm somewhat interested by um, kind of like the crocodile thing. It's kind of reckoning with a colonial history. And obviously this is like white movie by white director talking about these things. It's going to have it's going to be very bumpy and clumsy and all of this stuff in in theory. I mean, it doesn't really have to be, but it probably will be. Uh, so, I mean, there's even the part early in the film where like she she like hand waves off this idea that this uh label that she's trying to get published through published like chinese like a chinese conductor and she hand waves it as it can't be that that person's talented it's just that the chinese market is huge yeah yeah Uh, so it's it's a complicated thing where it's like the film puts in a lot of small textural things to like have that make sense in a fantastical non-literal representation way but it still kind of comes off like when Stephen Colbert needs to make a joke where his character says something racist. So he says something racist about Asian people because it's considered less racist if you do it. Yeah, if you're like, if you're joking. Yeah, it's it's considered it's considered okay to do the ironic racism for Asian people, but not for any other like ethnic group or like country or anything like that. Um. I, and I, I don't know, it just, it leaves a very weird taste, because it's not like there's not Western versions of that, that she, that, like, you could easily have done. But maybe, maybe there's something specifically with, like, the place that uh, Southeast Asia holds in terms of, like, the classical music scene. The The movie, like, seems aware of her kind of her almost reflexive othering and and kind of like minimizing of other people's contexts and other people's sort of identity uh and that whole scene the with the bipoc pangender college student who got epically owned sjw teacher owns fail soy student okay uh, that 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 scene oh yeah sorry continue what you're saying but then i want to talk about that scene i mean yeah like that i don't know it, it like you said it's the colbert effect where it's like oh how like i get what you're saying but like how can i 
really trust you as a writer, you know? Yeah, no, it's, it's, um, that scene kind of summarizes one of the bigger glaring flaws of this movie, which is that the way it seems to understand and communicate, um, like cancel culture and stuff like that is incoherent i don't think the film is reactionary and i i I definitely understand the charge people have made that the film is intentionally um not taking a stand or not raising any incisive questions about this stuff yeah um but i don't think it's reactionary in the sense that the way it talks about like me too and cancel culture uh is fucking incoherent in a way that does not sound like reactionary thought (laughs) Uh, it sounds like someone who knows what this is and wants to create a complicated portrait, uh, not complicated portrait, wants to create like a, a, a portrait of it that kind of satirizes in all directions, mm-hmm. but doesn't quite get it enough to understand what they're satirizing. Um, and in that scene, the first thing that took me out was the, that was that person saying, um, is a BIPOC pan gender person because I maybe hey maybe some people as an individual introduce themselves as a BIPOC I have never heard someone do that no I have always it is always like as a my specific identity and experience not like that it's yeah that's like as insane as being like as an LGBT person which is only something someone says when they are just gay <laughs> oh god where it's just it's like you're not the whole like that's bipoc is like is a is a umbrella term for like multiple types of like people and experience i've never heard someone say that that felt like it was a placeholder line for it to be filled by whoever they cast in that role yeah and i mean that scene is trying to pull off like a really difficult hat trick of like I I get the impression that they at first want you to be in support of Lydia Tarr, like owning this student. And that's kind of the presentation there. Uh, And then on perhaps subsequent viewings or thinking back on the scene, you realize that Max uh, was not really necessarily the correct one, but was like the victim in that situation. Oh, yeah, they they were they were 100% right that like she was just like being a piece of shit and like picking on them for like really no reason yeah for just like egotism and like pomp and just uh, there's like an interview with the director if i remember correctly where he also says that like part of it is it's like it's that uh it's that like narcissism of small differences thing where Mm -hmm. it's like she is so like oh i've accomplished all of this despite being uh, a lesbian uh woman and is thus like threatened by the idea of somebody f- putting that forward like their their difference forward because then it's like you know it's it's the thing you see a lot of times with like actual like conservative or like more assimilationist like uh marginalized people is this this like well i don't need to talk about that stuff why why do you why do you need to talk about it? i don't need to talk about yeah. it it's 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 it, i think it's like a pretty good portrait of that and so it's like yeah it's pretty easy to be like even if max's ideas are like i don't know like a little Twitter brand or whatever, like they're right that she's just like being a piece of shit to them for like no reason. Uh, also, the the fact that later when she gets like canceled by it, 
it's like a YouTube poop when it's like that <sighs> video, like that video alone would generate discourse online. Like it didn't need to be edited. Like <laughs> you could just post the entire like monologue she gives and people would be arguing about it. But yeah. that is just like they like chop her up like they're trying to do a like Lydia Tar says most offensive thing ever, like 2009 like YouTube poop. Yeah. That was one of the funniest moments of the whole movie to me, definitely. The YouTube poop was utterly ridiculous. And it's not necessarily, I don't know, it's not necessarily that it's not based in reality at all, but like you said, it's just like kind of an absurd stretch uh, and it's just so silly and it comes out of nowhere. Right, because like people definitely will post like clips that are out of context that are missing like a a before and after or something uh, for something like that. But it's just, it's literally like, edited where she's like and then i'm going to take my pingus <laughs> and jam it up your ear <laughs> oh god and yeah the the literal like the people at the table being like yeah we didn't really care so much about the video but you know we do care about the allegations i, I if they were gonna go that far they should have gone even further and had like random people are making like memes about her <laughs> about her about her accusations uh and making fun of her online. Oh yeah. Uh and she flips the fuck out and she's like, these people don't even know who and then she like name drops something is. Also, like what the hell like I think you pointed this out. What does what does she think you haul lesbian means? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she so... She says that in that scene too. And it's Again, just like Exactly like the kid describing themselves as BIPOC pangender, like, U-Haul lesbian, it is, like, in context, it makes no sense at all when she says it. Like, like, oh, like she... yeah, it's an aspect of my, uh, it's an aspect of my identity and my categorization in society that I move in on the second date. Yeah, <laughs> like, I... I, I don't understand it. I mean, like, that's just, that's why the hat tricks of of those scenes really fails, because it's just, like, not a very, I don't, I, like, I, it's, I, I find myself so commonly seeing, calling things, like, not very lived in or whatever, but, I mean, like, it's, I don't know, it's just, it's just weird. It's, like, fanficy writing to me, uh, and, and, like, the same goes with that, with that student, with Max, uh, like, in real life, they would probably just be trying to contribute as little as possible and trying to be as invisible as possible in that class. I mean, like, that was my experience as as a queer in college. Um, But I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm I'm over-projecting. Yeah, no, it's just a very weird, very weird approach to it. And then, like, it's bizarre, too, because on the other hand, the, like methodology and plausible deniability and stringing people along that like Lydia Tarr does is really accurate Uh and the way the institutions around her kind of recreate and reinforce that behavior in the way they're handling it where they're sort of like uh like well let's see how this shakes out like if we can get away with keeping you on like that would be easiest for us but like we're gonna like wait up until like we absolutely have to like acknowledge this before we do something. Yeah, like that's that's super like that was super accurate and like really 
uh, appropriate, which just makes the like, there's a protest at her at her, at her book signing. <laughs> what? <laughs> I've never <laughs> seen a protest like that. That's I. It's I don't know. Like it, for for something so niche in this in this world as I I don't know. I, I hate to call it niche. There there's a whole other class of people who are able to go to orchestras go to the orchestra uh but that's like a pretty that's kind of a dwindling class that's pretty that's like super insular so i don't really see this like you know (laughs) students at juilliard banding together and being like we gotta go i mean you know that probably does happen though thinking about fucking juilliard yeah uh, I don't know. We gotta we gotta get Grimes's perspective on this. <laughs> yeah, we gotta go ask her. Honestly, they should they should just make this uh, a movie like this, but about Grimes, and just also but also make it fake, like make up everything. In it. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of being on a houseboat that fucking floats down the Mississippi, it's like a Breaking Bad trailer or something. <laughs> but all of that being said. I did kind of fall in love with this movie. Let me talk about how much I loved this racist, racist yeah. movie. Yeah, no, no, please. Okay, and, and like, I guess in, in your defense, um, you know, much like how the way we interact with problematic artists uh, is we have big, stupid Twitter arguments about them, about whether or not you can ignore it. Uh, yeah, it's not like, you. Can, oh, you can kind of ignore it, but it's just, it's like, it really is just like, the weird taste in your mouth of the ending and then like that scene with max which is just badly written right but, like i feel like it's pretty you know it's a thing where it's like no matter how much you do or disagree with lydia tar or max in that scene she is abusing her position as like a teacher yeah like, I feel like, and I feel like the fil- film is pretty clear in that, that, like, it's not supposed to be, like, an epic mic drop moment. It's supposed to be just, like, all right, all right, come on, lay off, lay off a little bit. Yeah, kind of, like, pathetic and, you know, this, like, performance of, of a character that seems really, like, insecure, uh, definitely haunted. Uh, oh, speaking of haunted, before before I get into, you know, more... More of the kind of subjective realm. Uh, you remember that screaming that she hears in the forest and how it sounds oh. really familiar? Yeah. It's from fucking Blair Witch. Really? Yeah, they. I because I heard it in the movie and I leaned over to the people I was watching with and I was like, that's the screaming from the end of Blair Witch. So, but the movie doesn't expound or like talk about that at all. Uh, but I like checked later and people on IMDb like matched it up and I, I like watched it again later and it's definitely Heather screaming in Blair Witch. So the thing that I assume about that scene is that somewhere there's like a public screening of Blair Witch happening <laughs> and she's like being paranoid about it. Uh, or it's just or it is just a hallucination that for some reason takes the form of Heather's screams from Blair Witch. Uh I mean, the, the film seems to have like a pretty um, as much as it flexes it. I think I do like about the film is that it flexes this like hoity toity. It's like Frasier where yeah. it's like a lot of stuff. But like you, the audience, it's like, yeah, maybe if you know what they're referring to, it's a bit more exciting. Mm-hmm. But like you don't really need to get the reference to get the joke kind of thing. Um, 
But I noticed that it keeps doing this really clever thing of these like brushes of the lowbrow. Yeah. Uh, in the first scene, there's the there's the joke about like, um, you know, she's a what is it like an Epcot or something like someone who's won oh, like uh, every type of award. an EGOT. He got, yeah, somebody's won every type of award. And then he goes, and of course, Mel Brooks. And the audience laughs because it's like, haha, that's so funny that he uh, is an EGOT when he's so low brow. And it's like, yeah, but he's a fucking EGOT because he's fucking good at his job. Because he's a genius. <laughs> yeah, because he's one of the smartest fucking comedians who's ever lived. Um, it's 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 insane like it's it's there's like this this recurring theme of like these these brushes with the lowbrow in those ways um and so i can definitely see it being like in that in that same sort of theme uh or or like when the 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 new proto day she's trying to groom is just like oh yeah i looked it up on youtube that was beautiful (laughs) i loved that her being like i don't i don't know who the conductor was but you know it was sick (laughs) so funny uh yeah just also, masterclass of acting is is Olga's character, especially in that scene where they have that extended thing at the start about it, where she's like, "Oh, you know, like the other thing to eat here for vegetarian is a, is a cucumber salad," and she's like, "Oh, okay." And it's very clear that like she Lydia Tar is like, "Oh, I'm a vegetarian, ha ha ha," and she just immediately is like, "I'll have the veal," <laughs> <laughs> the the most like uh, kill an animal for me. <laughs> take take your youngest animal and take it out back and end its life for me please snuff it out such a fucking power move i my my read on olga's character is that like from the fucking jump she knows lydia tar's reputation and is just going to like fucking make her fucking just drag her through as much as possible especially if the reveal that she's the one who's been doing the like instagram stories the whole time of like making fun of her yeah and i mean it's so like it it's so tied into tar's like paranoia the way that uh you know she thinks that this girl suddenly doesn't like her because of her fall from grace but it's also it's kind of also been clear that like olga kind of never really liked her and was like manipulating her in the like basically giving her a taste of her own medicine yeah and and the thing about it is like i I, to to clean a little i don't think necessarily that olga's air quotes manipulating her but that's just because i think olga is just extremely aware of the power dynamic that's at play and so she is working within that uh well basically fucking with her in a way that's like okay i know that like when you get like your sights on someone you are so fucking thirsty that you like cannot back off right so i'm gonna play along with this to that extent but i'm gonna make fucking work for the fact that you're doing so (laughs) i i see it as olga performing a sort of manipulation like judo yeah, no, that's a better way to put it. Is is she's doing the she is doing the manipulation judo of like, all right, I know how to fucking deal with someone who's who's trying to trying to, to take it. Oh, I'm so starstruck. She's like, yeah. no, I'm not. That's a re- I mean, like that's a real thing. There are people out there who know how to deal with narcissists and yeah, and know what's up. Uh, so be careful if you're if you're gonna be a narcissist. And 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 as uh. Not to say as one of those people, but uh, <laughs> as one of those people, um, it is a thing of just like a consistent theme of that, too, is that like narcissists just like they can't help themselves. 
Oh my god, they can't. <laughs> like they can't. Like even if it isn't completely clear that this person is in on your bullshit uh and is just like I'm not going to like fucking like this isn't going to work on me. They're just like well that can't be right. <laughs> <laughs> but what if it does? Yeah, well, it's okay. that can't be right. That just no, it it'll it'll work on you. <laughs> <laughs> I must just not have done the right thing this time. I must I must I must I must have gotten a little too confident. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel I feel as though I was doomed to love this film. It's Kate Blanchett. Like, how how can you not? Uh, and she's doing all of this, like, absurd lesbian cheating drama, kind of. And, but, like, you know, and also, like, just playing this, like, narcissism. God, the scene of when, when her when her and Francesca are in like the hotel room, and Francesca's like trying to talk to her, and she just starts playing the fucking piano. <laughs> Unbelievably good. Oh, uh, oh, that does remind me. I do want to bring up uh, extremely funny um, description that uh, Plex auto populated for when I added this to it. Um, uh-huh. Because at the time I was like, oh, that's weird. I wouldn't have got, I didn't think that this is the direction the film was going. Uh, and it wasn't. There was a description of the film Tar that I saw right before I started watching it. Uh-huh. Uh, that was basically like uh, when a, when like the internationally famous, like, uh, like female, di- like director Lydia Tar, like faces like, um, you know, when when her past decisions start to catch up to her, she finds that's one of the few people she can retreat to is her daughter, Petra. And it's like, that is like not what the movie is about at all. <laughs> I like, I don't know, Petra Petra is like one of the last people on her side, but that's not really like That's not what the film's about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't see that much of Petra. Yeah, Petra, Petra is kind of a, a, a like that that describes like a scene in the film. That's like a <laughs> thing that happens in the movie. That's not what the movie's like plot is. And I I think it was Letterboxd or Plex's like the original summary that they had for the film was that. And I was just like, oh, I didn't know that this is like a movie where like she just spends all her time with her kid because she gets canceled. And it's like, oh, that's not what the movie's about at all, actually. <laughs> Uh, that that would lead someone to have a very a very different idea of what somebody what turned happens. it off like half an hour before it ended and thought that, that was, I thought that the scene <laughs> when she uh, it comforts Petra in the dark was the was like the end of the film right yeah. <laughs> oh god um but yeah did you notice the part where she didn't like Olga catches her on not knowing International Women's Day yeah God that's such a good that's such a good line oh God there's it's so and like. All of the stuff where she's like, I don't know, the movie, the way the movie talks about gender, that's weirdly a part that I I, I felt super interested by. Uh, just Lydia Tarr's character, she refers to herself as her daughter's father, and she's like making all these hilarious threats against uh, like her daughter's bullies. Um, there's also the part in the movie where she's like, looking through all the Krista emails uh, and, and like, finds the one where, like, finds the final email Krista sent or some shit like that. Uh, and then she leaves her office to go do boxing for, like, an hour and then runs back. Like, yeah, it's... 
the way that was set up where i was just like okay like that that was the end of that scene and she went and did boxing and then it's gonna go back but then she just comes back to the office and it's like oh no she actually just left in the middle of the scene to go box (laughs) and came back and offered like no explanation to her attendant that she just sent out to get her coffee to get her a mate yeah that i'm that's such a like that's almost an always sunny joke it's that's so hilarious um, uh but that all that being the case like i don't know there there's there's some there's something being said i feel about like patriarchy and the, the way she kind of sees women the women around her is like she kind of accessorizes them and makes them her yes her yes ladies and uh just all of this all of this really interesting stuff with your character yeah i i think um i i do wonder if part of the uh inspiration if i'm gonna put it is so one of the conductors that's named by the the older guy um uh where he's like he's like oh these two guys who got canceled one of them was actually uh a gay man so his victims were that the people he had preyed on were other men mm-hmm. and so that made me wonder if part of the film's like inspiration because it names those two conductors so it's pretty clear that that's like somewhat of where like the the, the film's sketchings of an idea came from um is is less so about having anything interesting to say about me too or cancel culture or whatever but more about in this era of like kind of coming to like terms of that sort of stuff like what what does it mean to confront like intragender violence yeah and so I think in the Lydia Tart case, it's 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 constructing what type of character and what type of values would lead someone who is a lesbian woman to behave in ways that pretty much reinforce like misogyny and exploitation of women, mm-hmm. uh, and less so in a in a in a like jacuzzi like you like you the swagged out butches you are also the patriarchy. I don't think the film's saying anything like that. I yeah. think it's just. And I don't even think it's necessarily ascribing that her behavior is because she's more butch or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause she's pretty, she's pretty like soft butch at best. Um, yeah. It's, but it's, it's clear that it's like the film positions Lydia Tar as somebody who rejects her own womanhood, not in like a gender transgender way, but in a like, Oh, it, but in the same way she rejects her class or her class. Yeah. Absolutely. And Where it, it's she she correctly intuits that there is power associated with specific uh classes and so she identifies with them and then once in those roles uh rejects this idea that there is any distinction in the way that those are treated in society. Literally, yeah. But but there's also these moments that seem to kind of imply her sort of relation to these concepts where she's she's witnessing She's witnessing patriarchy, right? Where in in for example, the part that I thought was really interesting, where she's talking to, kind of her, uh, her like, oh god, what do you call it? Who's the the like old guy? Uh, oh, her confidant. Yeah. She's, or, well, wait. I I mean, I guess that's the role he plays like socially. I don't remember what their like actual professional. Roles. Yeah, I I think he's just her predecessor. Um. Yeah, but basically she's she's talking with her predecessor and she brings up Schubert throwing a woman down the stairs and he's like all of a sudden he like comes to Schubert's defense and he's like, "Oh yeah, but the, is is his work good?" 
And so, yeah. like, that's, like, a, such a crucial moment where you see kind of, like, what, like, the past of what Lydia Tarr has had to sort of compartmentalize in her, you know, in, in this, like, very male-dominated field. Uh, and, like, how how that kind of forces her into this, like, dissociative state of of not wanting to really even bring the discussion up about identity and, like, how that affects things. And it's also, that part's also really good because it, like, even directly contradicts the stuff she was saying to Max. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like, oh, like, like, she's like, okay, but, like, that's where I draw the line, you know? Yeah. Um, which, like, I, if it is saying anything on that, I think that might be where the, what the line, the, 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 the vague question is, is, like, okay, where does one draw the line on, like, how much can you look past a person's flaws to still air quotes appreciate the art how much are those things intertwined because mm-hmm. like obviously in the case of lydia tar it's like you kind of can't separate the artist from the art in her case uh maybe like you know post-consumption a lot of her stuff but it's a thing where it's like you know if you're watching her concerts you're you're watching her in the field that she was using to like prey on people yeah uh, yeah. it, it is it is sort of very similar to like, um, you know, it's why like a lot of people, you know, who maybe are more like separate. I could separate the artists from the art have problems with, say, Woody Allen films, because Woody Allen films are about Woody Allen and are in a lot of ways, ways in which he kind of justifies the way he treats women. Uh, one thing I found while looking up more information on Todd Field myself, uh, an interesting sort of biographical factor in terms of somebody who makes a film about uh, a sex pest getting canceled, he kind of broke into the biz by working on a Woody, Woody Allen film. Oh, um, I mean... You know? That would that would make a lot of sense why he has a specific uh familiarity with some things. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like that I I I mean like and that's part of, you know, the kind of difficult difficult hole of any piece of art. Uh which is like, you know, I I I don't I don't fucking know these people, but I also like I I'm also in a really tough position where it's like I don't like when people i don't like a long history of men raping with impunity either yeah uh, so it's it, you know at, at a certain point something has to something has to come to the i don't know it, it has to be considered it has to be thought about yeah no it's it's like i said it's it's a thing that i think is is very the film doesn't seem to i think i don't think the film is too interested in interrogating it but like with that kind of contrast there I, I think the film is sort of introducing this idea that like everyone has a line, like even the most like separate the art from the artist type person, mm-hmm. everybody has a line that they draw in the sand on it. Everyone yeah. has a line. Well, now it's gone too far and I can't support this artist anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I like that the film, you know, gives us a, an evil woman to, to explore that through because it, I think it pretty correctly uh, sees in the water that like that is a type of person in film that people are really hungry to see right now. And so it's like thoughts (laughs) (laughs) before we get too far uh, away from it. uh, The ghost thing. Yeah. So there is a extremely funny article (laughs) (laughs) that, that you and Paul Schrader himself posted on Facebook. 
Oh yeah, it's it's a slate thing. It's a slate article. Uh, Tar is the most talked about movie of the year. So why is everyone talking about it all wrong? Mm-hmm. Um, a thing I think the film gets correct is that in the sort of free fall ending of the film, like not just the ending ending, but kind of like when she hits her peak and then around when she meets Olga and uh, Krista takes her life, uh, the the film starts to take both. That's around when it becomes more of like a weird dark comedy. Yes. Uh, but the film starts to be a lot more encroaching in its strangeness. Um there's the entire sequence where she follow when Oga disappears into her her dilapidated building and a black dog appears. Um, there's like weird like the sound stuff starts getting more more intrusive. We start seeing the Kristas in in the background shots more. Um, and the problem with it is that, like, I think the article is is correct in being like, hey, it's weird that people don't talk about the fact that there's a tonal shift in the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem is that it then kind of goes on and it's like, maybe when she fell and hit her head, she's imagining it. <laughs> <laughs> like, like some fucking, like, the Rugrats are, are, are in a coma. Uh, <laughs> oh, my thing. God. Come um, on. Which... Yeah, the film has a lot of like spooky, spooky horror elements in it, I guess, in that regard. But I I think that's maybe taking, ironically enough, those things too literally. Yeah. <laughs> too literally is that like, well, these things are happening that are depicted on screen are actually happening. And not just that it's like it it kind of goes into motion as like this is like the worst case scenario of like all of these threads for her unraveling um and i would read it as like you know to to her it feels probably almost like paranormal you know like like there's a conspiracy to take her down mm-hmm. and not just that like yeah when you when you build up a bunch of bullshit like you see it throughout the film starting to starting to happen like francesca very early on starts to like be like oh tart lydia's fucking me she's gonna fuck me this is this is bullshit like it's bullshit that she had me handle this person that like she damaged and now i have to live with the guilt of like what if i did something else Mm -hmm. uh you know her um her wife whose name i'm blanking on uh sharon sharon she she like pretty early on is like aware to some degree that like Lydia is a philanderer and like is is kind of using the orchestra to to play her own little ego in social games. Uh, there's there's the guy who like when she's trying to to forcibly retire him is just like everyone knows like what like you're doing. Yeah, <laughs> which God. is like leads which and it's a thing. It's like much like how the the house of cards come crumbling down in her attempt to try to keep it up and to, to to move the Jenga block back. She fucks over Francesca so that she can have plausible deniability that that's what her intent was. Uh, but then that just makes it worse because then Francesca is like, "Well, if I'm not even getting anything from you, like, fuck this." Yeah. Oh God. I mean, uh, so. I- I, I think it's things get more absurd and like paranormal and like weird, not because it's all in her head, but because that is probably how a person like this would experience their own decisions and behavior catching up to them, which is that like, oh, a ghost must be doing this. 
Yeah, I think that's I think that's the more interesting thing to take away from it. And I mean, like the thing with articles such as such as this and, and ways of thinking about movies such as this is that it is um, in case we all forgot a movie uh, and as as a piece of art, uh, you know, it, it's I, I I always uh, kind of hammer on the drum that like the literal to me is less interesting than the effect. And the effect, I think, is very strong. Like you you understand the feeling of what it means that she's haunted uh you know ha haunted by both this this kind of person that she's you know taken advantage of to the point of killing her uh but also you know kind of haunted by herself uh and and her own actions and proclivities and all all of this all of this stuff yeah, no, it's it's I, I think that's the correct way to put it is that it's like the article's almost on the right point and that a lot of people are taking the ending kind of like, you know, at face value and as seriously. But what if I took it at face value <laughs> and literally <laughs> uh, when it's like, no, it's it's yeah, it's it's film. Film is an emotive experience like you. You are supposed to be there's supposed to be an effect from all of this. And I don't think that the effect is. Uh, solve my riddles three east uh, fifteen Easter eggs you missed in the new tar trailer. Like it's it's just it's it's to create a larger larger experience of the film. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's another texture of the film that kind of it kind kind of vaguely ties into stuff that we've already talked about before. But uh, I I kind of get the impression, and you know we we don't have to spend too much time on this. I'm no fucking expert, but like. She seems to be kind of like well, the film itself again, and but like mainly the character has this like weird relation to like the Jewish identity. Uh, and there's definitely articles you can look up that kind of like talk all about this, but uh, that also felt like a pretty major chord that was being struck, uh, I guess, in the service generally of making a lot of really complicated intersections that she's kind of stuck in between, um, like with the gender thing and like with, you know, just the general perception and the general cultural history that she has to kind of reckon with and also seems to be kind of running from. Uh, she's caught in this place where there's, there's like a lot of talk in the film of like denazification. Uh, there's talk in the film. I mean, like she, the, uh, She's obsessed with Leonard Bernstein. Uh, she does these, like, little prayers at, at the candle and stuff like that. Like, she's almost, like, cosplaying as being Jewish uh, and, you know, being obsessed with all of these Jewish conductors uh, while also being steeped in white supremacy and, like, white, uh, you know... Uh, white cultural identity. White cultural identity, yeah, absolutely. Uh, all on the stage of the really loaded stage of Berlin. Uh, I don't know. It's it's. I think that is a really. I think that's a really compelling uh, texture of the movie that some articles have pointed out. Yeah. No. And I. I also, honestly, like I think that works a lot. Um, let me really quick check mm. if Todd Field is Jewish. <laughs> so I uh, the 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 first article that came up when I searched that is um the surprising jewish the surprisingly jewish world of tar uh -huh. um fair 
And then the second one is the Jewishness of Stanley Kubrick's Eyes Wide Shut. Uh, um, I don't. <laughs> my... I I don't know if that's. Tr- I don't think that's true. I don't think. Um... I, you know what? I'm not going to read the article to find out. But I don't think that's true. I don't um, think that's a very good. <laughs> I I don't see Todd Phillips on the list of Jewish uh, film directors on Wikipedia, so maybe he's not. But I was going to say that's that is also like a very common theme in like Jewish art. Like uh-huh. a lot of Jewish art is the the sort of complicated um, guilt of rejection of, but also embrace of like one's cultural identity, especially since like Jewishness obviously also uh, within like. Uh, larger context is like all a ethnic identity a cultural identity and a religious identity and then like probably some other categories of identity that i can't think of off the top of my head Mm -hmm. but like it's it is a it is a complex multifaceted identity that has like a lot of different meanings and a very long history especially within art of engendering very complicated feelings about being jewish I laud the movie's braveness, which sometimes veers into clumsiness in terms of uh, it, its its want to, you know, talk about these uh, kind of tenuous and uh, difficult social intersections, I guess. Yeah, no, I, I think it is uh, very interesting how the film both gets, I think, written off as, as having nothing to say. Mm-hmm. but also gets praised by people who think it doesn't have much to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I think that the film intentional or not packs in a lot of, a lot of little threads and ideas and concepts uh, into a character and into a film and Kate Blanchett fucking nails it. So I think there's a, there's, there's honestly, I, this is like a film I'm excited to rewatch in a couple months, like showing it to someone for the first time, because I feel like I'm going to pick up on like 10 new little things that I didn't notice the first time watching through like 10 just little like, oh, the way these two scenes connect. Oh, yeah, of course. I, I ended up watching it a second time kind of in uh, in preparation for really this. Uh, and there was it, it's so textured, like there's so many phases that the movie goes through where you're like, oh, it's this part of the movie. Oh, it's this part of the movie. Um, the the breakdown that she has in her apartment where she's playing an accordion song and screaming uh, the, the apartment for sale song, which is also apartment for sale is listed in the music credits as a song written by Todd Field and Kate Blanchett. That's so funny. I'd forgotten that scene. That scene's such a good scene. <laughs> Apartment for <laughs> sale. <laughs> Your sister's in jail. Uh, unbelievably good. Amazing, amazing performance. Kate knocks it out of the park. Noemi Merlamp knocks it out of the park. Nina Haas knocks it out of the park. Um, yeah, just no complaints about uh the performances and the depth the depth brought to them by the by the folks involved for all of its flaws and for all of it that it kind of presents itself as it's more um it's more anime of center than i think i was really ready for and and i think i liked that about it no that's a, that's a great way to put it and i think that's i it's a consistent theme that like i i generally really love a film that has like a bunch of weird flaws because it's it's doing a lot of stuff, and some of that stuff just completely fucking misfires. Yeah, absolutely. 
I I don't know. This I guess this session went a little bit longer. Let me check my uh, God. Let me check my calendar. Oh. Oh, they canceled. They canceled everything. Oh my. Oh, it's just it's all. I I just have to go to court later in the evening. But okay. Well, um, you know, hey, maybe they'll cancel the court. I uh, yeah. Oh wait, no. They're they they want me to come in for more court. They want oh, uh, oh, yeah. That's uh, not a good sign. All right. Well, I guess, I guess I'm just gonna go go back to my parents' house and just lay down for for a couple hours if. If that, you know, if that seems like a sensible thing to do after therapy. Uh... Yeah, no, I, I think that's a sign that it's working. Yeah, absolutely. Um, listen, I might not be booking very many more gigs here in the future. Uh, you take uh, Bitcoin? Um, no, I don't think you're going to be using that much in the future either. Oh, oh, my God. They stole all my Bitcoin. <laughs> Hold on, I just got another text. Oh my god. She took the fucking kids. <laughs> she, she took the fucking Bitcoin wallet. She took my Bitcoin wallet. She took the kids. She she took everything from me. Well, shit. 